Good morning. And uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is uh, Terry, uh, and um, I uh, have the title of small group coordinator here, and uh, I'm glad to be with you this morning. I'm, I'm glad for you that you've chosen to come out and join us today and to be part of the service. And I think it would be good for us to begin with a word of prayer, following up with, with what Cabot and Asha just were asking us to do. So why don't we pray uh, before we begin? Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for our opportunity to worship you and to be together. I thank you for this community. Father, I pray for each of us here today, you'll meet us in a special way. I pray, Father, that uh, you would give us more confidence that you are in control and sovereign during this chaotic time. Father, I thank you for the example of uh, Cabot and Asha, who have decided to self-quarantine for the safety of others and for uh, the fact that this is they want to lead and love the community as the community has asked us to do. So, Father, we pray for them. We do pray for, as they have said, for those who are hurting, that need help, that need a hand, that need comfort, that need peace. Father, I pray that as we hear your word today, that we will be people that will have the capacity to make a difference with the people around us. And we ask you uh, for your blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen. When I spoke last week, I said we were going to have a crazy week this week. Uh, But I would have to say this. As the week developed, uh, it was far beyond what I could have ever imagined or thought our week was going to be like. This has been a crazy week. And you just think about the number of cancellations. They're just overwhelming. And, you know, each of those cancellations, we have different responses to it. And I know some of you have children. The cancellation of school is a big thing. But I have to tell you, the cancellation of sports is big to me. (laughs) Spring. The NCAA tournament. Today is Selection Sunday. The Masters golf outing. Baseball starting. No baseball. As a matter of fact, my grandson, when he heard that the NCAA was going to be canceled, couldn't stop crying. And he's just an eight-year-old. And so uh, sports is big for our family. And that has caught, this has been a real sense of loss for me. Another thing that's really surprised me, actually, uh, is just the number of churches that have uh, decided to suspend programming for at least two weeks to the end of the month. And that's a, a big thing as well. So this has been crazy, and there's been lots of cancellations. And, and for those who have not heard the news, but uh, I know we all are, COVID-19 has now been called a pandemic. And uh, so if you're like me, what's a pandemic? A pandemic is, is a worldwide uh, spread of a new disease. And that's what it's been called. And you know, the response to this has been, you name it, fear. There is a lot of fear. Uh, that's going on. There's a national panic, and there's a lot of anxiety. I don't know if you have been, uh, had the opportunity, but have you gone to a Costco or Walmart at all? And people fighting over toilet paper, empty shelves. There's a lot of anxiety today. And just a couple ways that I personally have felt the pandemic is, number one, I'm preaching today. You know, Thursday night I'm sitting in my, uh, at home and thinking, well, i got to get ready for Friday night because I'm doing an organic outreach uh, session. 
Well, I get a call from Cabot and says, well, we're not going to meet in your house. And, man, and uh, I said, well, that changed this thing. And he said, and uh, I'm not coming to church on Sunday. And so he called me back on Friday morning, and I discovered I was preaching. So the pandemic has affected me in the sense that I'm here in front of you today. And uh, that's one of the things. The second thing is, I've been really struggling all week about a decision. Next week, I was going up to Minneapolis, which I do every month, go up to Minneapolis, uh, spend three days up there, meet with pastors, helping them with outreach training. And so first I thought, well, should I cancel my plane, try, uh, plane flight and uh, just drive up there, which would have been a six-and-a-half-hour trip? Or what would people think if I cancel? So then I got word that the church we're meeting at has decided to suspend all programming for the next, uh, until March 31st. And so it made a pretty easy decision to me. I'm not going next week to Minneapolis. So uh, COVID-19 has, has affected us all. So why don't you just say to a person near you, how has uh, COVID-19 affected you personally? Just turn to someone and tell them, how has, what are ways that COVID-19 has affected your life in any way? Well, I must say, I'm sure that uh, there is significant ways it's affected your life, but I would say this to all of us. We are in new territory. I have nothing really to be able to tell you how to do this because I've never been here. And most of us don't know where, how to proceed. So what I would suggest is three things for us as a community and also for us as individuals. If we don't know what's going on and we don't understand, it's probably wise for us to listen to medical personnel. It's probably a good idea to listen to what the medical people are saying, right? The second thing is, I, I think is if we are going to be caring and loving our community, I think we need to follow the guidelines about not spreading the virus to others. I think it's an act of love for us Maybe we think it's ridiculous, but it's an act of love for us, actually, to follow the rules in terms of not spreading the virus. And the last thing I would say that's very important is we need to rely on our faith to make it through. God has something to do with all this, with, with this in our own getting through it. You know, so it's been interesting that I, as I thought about how Christians ought to respond to the uh, pandemic, I was reminded of a book I read some time ago, it's called The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark. Has anyone heard that book? It's, okay, well, that's good. I could um, make up things then. No. Uh, <laughs> but The Rise of Christianity is a wonderful book. And this book is basically, it covers the history of the first 300 years of the church. And how, why it's such, the first 300 years of the church are so interesting is, it, was, it started as a little small sect, a religious sect. And at the end of 300 years, it became the state religion of the Roman Empire. 
How did that happen in 300 years? From a little small minority group to all of a sudden, everybody in the Roman Empire were Christians. How did that happen? Well, it's interesting is that in that first 300 years, health epidemics played a key role in the church's growth. Health epidemics. Who would have thought, right? And so what happened, first of all, in 165, uh, they had an epidemic of of smallpox. And at that point, one-third of the population died from smallpox. Less than 100 years later, they had a, another outbreak, an outbreak, and this was measles. This was in uh, 251. And at that point, another third of the population died. And that would be an incredible experience. And that's what was happening. And we think about what's happening here, and a third of the population died in that empire. So the Christian's response to the epidemic was a major factor in changing Christianity's place in the culture. Instead of being something that the Christian in the church shrunk, it actually grew through the epidemics. And so how did they do that? What happened was, when this started, the pagans, who were the other major religion, what they did was they left town. They left their home. And not only did they leave their home, they left their family who were dying and their friends behind. They just left. Because, you know, we got to be safe. This could take our lives. And their lives were more important than their family or friends. Whereas, on the other hand, the Christians stayed in the city. They stayed in the city and they cared for those who were suffering. And what Rodney Stark says, that response, he summarizes three things that that accomplished by doing this. The first was this. Christianity offered a much more satisfactory response to why the terrible times had fallen on humanity. Christians were offering a more satisfying response to what was happening around them. It said the Christians projected a hopefulness and a more positive portrait of what the future was like. The pagans were running. I don't want to get sick. The Christians stayed. And they said, this is why this is happening. This is how we're going to respond. They were hopeful. You know, in this present-day pandemic, how can we offer others more hope and a better picture of the future than rather being just like everybody else in panic and full of fear? Here's some practical suggestions that I read from one columnist. This is not necessarily a Christian, but said this. One of the things that you can do is to be generous. Anxiety is a contagion itself. We can break that contagious contagion by actually acts of kindness. We were at, Walmart, uh, we were at Costco the other day. And just watching how people pushing their way in line. Just a little act of kindness maybe would change it for somebody. Secondly, one of the things that we can do is to be careful where you get your information. 
Double-check your information before you pass it on. If everybody's afraid and you start saying stuff like right off the top of your head that's not true, that could cause more panic. I don't know, did anyone hear the, what the Korean, they said the Korean doctor said? The Korean doctor said, if, this is a, it's an effective means, just drink as much water as you can. Keep on drinking water. Keep on drinking water and you will not get the virus. <laughs> that was reported on the TV. Well, that was bogus. So we have to be careful what we hear, what we pass on. A third thing I would say is, and this is really important, is, and this is true for what Cabot and Asha just said, don't isolate yourself. Even if you are in self-isolation, use the phone. Talk to the people over at the computer. And if we happen to have to go to a place where we're not meeting, try to stay connected. There's strength in being connected. There's value. There's a sense of we can live through this together, connected as, a part, as votes of a part. The final thing was, is repeat the word over and over again, perspective. This isn't the first or the biggest epidemic or pandemic in history. And the second thing I would say, if you're not doing this, read your Bible every day. Get, use that as a perspective builder and not the news. Because what we want to do in all this is we want uh, to be able to offer the world a better perspective, more hope, and a brighter uh, view of the future. The second thing, so that was the first thing. They had a, a better, a more satisfactory response. The second thing was Christianity's value and practice of love and charity did several things. It helped solidify the community. It helped them cope with the, with the suffering. And third, it affected the mortality rate. The Christians, whereas the general population, 30% of all of the general population died, the Christians, only 10% of the, of the Christians died. And what that is, isn't that, that's kind of ironic. People fled to get away from the disease. The Christians stayed. They actually helped people. And by helping people, they helped themselves and they actually survived. They didn't run from things, but they stayed and made a difference. So what we have to offer during this time is, number one, we have, we have a more satisfactory account for why this is happening. Secondly, we can show loving and uh, caring for people. And the third thing is this. Christianity's response to the epidemic controlled the themes uh, of conformity. Now, that's a sociological term. It's a technical term. But basically, it means this. New social networks were made in the culture. Before, most of the culture was def decided, it was defined by a number of pagans with a few Christians. Now, as less pagans were around, more Christians were part of groups. And as more Christians were part of groups with the, with the pagans, their values took precedent. And so over time, over three years, the norms of the Christians had become the, the cultural norm. That is an incredible, it's incredible what God, how God used that epidemic to cause the church to grow. The question is, is it possible for God to use the current pandemic to grow the church? Is it possible? Yes, absolutely it's impossible. 
Here's the deal. Just yesterday, I received an email from uh, some friends at InterVarsity, which is an organization I worked for for a number of years. And, uh, you know, the campus is really unsettled right now. Many of the campuses are closing. Everything's going online. There are, they, like we were in Madison the other day, and people had to get, out, get away from campus because they're asked to get out of their dorms now. And so it's really caused a lot of chaos for the campus and for the students. But it also, at the same time, has given many opportunities for the gospel to be shared. So here's the deal. The New York, New Jersey region reported last week more students made decisions for Jesus last week than the number for the whole year last year. Can God use situations like this to bring people to himself? Absolutely. But we have to be different. We have to be, in a sense, understand that God's in control. We have to understand that God's using this and he can use us. It's so easy to to default like everybody else and become like everybody else. The opportunity to share the gospel during health crisis is why I think it's so important that the rest of my talk is actually going to be on evangelism. It says in 1 Peter 3, 15, always, prepared, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope within you. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give a reason for the hope within you. So if we have hope, do you have an answer? How are you, you're acting and responding to this differently. Do you have an answer? Can you give hope to people? So let me ask this question. I'm going to try one more time to get you to respond. I mean, uh, you can help me. We have less people here. When I say the word evangelism, what kind of thoughts or feelings come to you? When I say evangelism, what do you feel or think? I got to hear it. What do you think? Nothing. What's that? Okay, Tammy Fair. Okay, there you go. That's a good image. What else? <laughs> what else comes to your mind when you hear the word evangelism? Intimidating? Yeah, thanks. What else? Okay, it's for the joy. Sure. Yeah, anything else you can think of? What, what kind of words come to your mind when you think about evangelism? Yeah, challenge and being challenged. What else? Anything else? Hey, let's go do it. Anybody there? <laughs> I'll go if you go. No, something like that. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, we have lots of different responses to it. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to make three general uh, comments about evangelism. Some truths about evangelism. And then secondly, I want to share with you the primary reason why we reach out to others. And so, first of all, I would say this. You may not think you don't do evangelism, but we evangelize all the time. You don't think, you may think you don't 
do evangelism or even like evangelism, but you do it all the time. So does anyone here go to a movie? You ever like a movie? You try to get other people to go to movies? I'm evangelizing. I can tell you this. One movie that we were so surprised with was Knives Out. Did anybody see that movie? Okay, yeah. We were so surprised and we liked it so much, we had 10 other people. We, we recruited 10 other people to go see it. And I was evangelizing. We do that all the time. Do you have a favorite restaurant? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> right? Do we get people to go? Do we try to get people to go there? We talk about why it's such a good place to eat? We're evangelizing, right? Anybody here a sports fan? Yes, yes, I know you guys are. Do you talk about your team? Do you want other people to follow them? Absolutely. We're evangelizing. So I think one of the things that we have to realize, you think of that this is kind of such a hard thing, evangelism we do all the time. It's kind of a natural part of who we are. And, and why we evangelize is whenever, whenever we're zealous about something or you're excited about something, you start telling people about it and you really love it and your idea is you want to talk about it you want others to experience it, and you just want to share the joy with others. And we do that, don't we? And I think it's time for us to learn that we, should share, we can share our passion for Christ just as naturally as we share about movies, about restaurants, and about sports teams. It says this in Matthew twelve thirty four. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you talking about these days? It's probably a good barometer of what has captured your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we need to realize that we evangelize, that we evangelize about things we love and want others to love. The second thing, a truth I want to say is this. We often say, I'm not an evangelist. Evangelism is not my gift. As if to say that, it senses you're not your gift. You don't have to participate. But think about that for a second. You may not have the gift of giving. So is it okay for you to be selfish and stingy? You may say you don't have the gift of compassion, so is it okay for you to be half-hearted and insincere? Absolutely not. You may not have the gift of something, but does not say that you should not participate in it. We are all called to be a witness. And that's, so we're involved in the game. You know, Timothy, who uh, was mentored by Paul, was a pastor. And Paul said, And Paul said to him, uh, do the work of an evangelist. It says in his his letter to Timothy in 2 uh, Timothy 4, 5, Timothy the pastor, actually kind of timid and introverted, he said this, but you keep your head in all situations like pandemics, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist. All of us are called to do that. And the last thing I would say, so one, evangelism, we all evangelize them. 
We all evangelize. You're not excluded because you don't have the gift of evangelism. And the third thing is, evangelism is more than just proclamation. What I mean by that, yes, it's telling people about Jesus, but people come to Christ by word, by deed, and sometimes by sign. All that is used to bring people to Christ. And I was thinking about this. Uh, my son used to uh, lead a, a, a campus ministry in Nebraska. And uh, he worked with athletes. And, he, and uh, there's the, one of the basketball players was a jun- who transferred, and he was a junior basketball He was a junior, transferred into a junior, a starter for the University of Nebraska Omaha basketball team. And they, had, and they were having their beginning workouts in the, in the fall, and this, this basketball player got hurt. And uh, he hurt his knee. And uh, it looked like it was a torn ACL or an MCL. looked like his career would be over. Well, he happened to be in my son's Bible study. And after it happened, and they took an MRI, and then after it happened, he said, Mark, would you and the other guys in our Bible say, we pray for my leg, and would you pray for it to be healed? So they prayed. So the next day, he, he went and had another MRI. He said, things are a little different here. And the next day, he had an MRI. I, nothing was wrong. The third day, he was walking. And, the, and the, the medical staff at the college said, what's going on here? And this guy said, I know. I prayed for it and God took care of it. They couldn't believe it, so they put him through all this protocol, protocol so he didn't play for two weeks. But he then did play. Instead of his career being over, he's right now playing in Europe as a, on a, as a basketball player. That was a sign. And do you think it made a difference on the basketball team? So when they, when they had a prayer meeting to thank God for the healing, over half the basketball players said, can we join you for the prayer meeting? A sign can bring people to Christ as well. So what is our primary motivation for evangelism? What should be our primary motivation for evangelism? Since we evangelize, since we're involved in this, in this enterprise, our primary vo- motivation for evangelism is this. We love God and we love people. That's your primary motivation for evangelism. You love God and you love people. Does anyone know the name Bob Pierce? Bob Pierce is the founder of World Vision. And he's known for a prayer that he prayed every day. And the prayer was this. Let my heart be broken with things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken for the things that break break the heart of God. How do you grow a heart of love, a heart for God? How do you grow that? If that's going to be the real difference maker for us to be be able to reach out to people is we have a genuine love. How do you grow that heart? You know, I think it's very difficult to reach out to people you don't like. It's very difficult for you to reach out to people when, you, when God's not meeting your own needs. 
It's very difficult for you to be a difference maker in this pandemic if God's not meeting you. So we have a real strikeout. If you, don't, you don't feel that God's really working through this. And secondly, you don't like the people you're talking to. Well, what are your chances it's going to be effective? So what do we do to grow a heart of love? The first thing is this. You pray that God will give you a heart like the Father in Jesus. You pray that God will give you a heart like the Father in Jesus. You know the story of the of the prodigal son. You know, I'm sure it was familiar to many of you. The son goes and says, I'm, I want my inheritance. He uh, takes the inheritance, he leaves, spends it all wild, on wild living, and then he doesn't have, he's hungry, he goes to, goes to, week, goes to work on a pig farm as a Jew, it doesn't seem very good, and finally comes to his senses and says, I'm going to go talk to my dad and apologize. But what strikes me there is this. Look at the father's response in verse 20. He says this. But while his son was still a long way off, while, but while his son was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. God the Father has compassion on people. And what it strikes me in this, in this passage is when he was a long way off. You know, you could, see that, you could see that father every day, maybe walking down the road. Is he coming back? Is he coming back, you know, walking down that road? Because he had compassion on him. We have, to, we have to pray for us, for God to give us that same compassion for people. I don't know if anybody saw the news last night. But uh, there was, there's a lot of partying going on in Chicago. And it really kind of irritated, actually, the governor. And these people were, you know, going, and they said, well, I know it may be stupid, but we're going we're gonna to party. It's the St. Patrick's Day. And you know, our natural response is, oh, you idiots. You get, if you get the virus, you deserve it. But you know what God's response is? Hey, they'll come to their senses. And they, they'll, they'll figure it out. I'll be there for them when they get it. But we have to have that heart of God, the Father. The second thing is, and the other is, is that it says in Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' response was compassion on the crowds. We care for individuals. And you know, there's a lot of crowds that are really hurting right now. Can we have the compassion for them? Because they're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know what, which way is up. So we have to, in a sense, if we're going to get, grow a heart of love, is number one, is we have to pray for a heart like the Father and for the Son. The second thing is this, is we need to study the life of Jesus in the Gospels more. I don't know if it was good for you. It was refreshing for me to read those stories today. Hearing those stories, they made me old, but to see how Jesus reacted. And the story of Zacchaeus. You think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was 
Uh, he was a tax collector. He was wealthy. He, he was unpopular. He was, um, he was short. And uh, Jesus sought him out. And then he said, my mission is for, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what Jesus is all about. We need to read those and hear about those, and that will encourage our hearts as well. The last thing is we need to notice and connect with people who are far from God. You got, for you to get interested, you've got to be around people who need God. So here's your assignment for this week. Who is one unbelieving person God has placed on your heart? Who is one unbelieving person that God has placed on your heart? You know, he may place someone who really is struggling dealing with this virus. He may be someone, you might be a family or someone who's really struggling because they both are working and don't know what their kids are going to do when they're gone. So who's someone God's placed on your heart? What's one thing you can do to connect with them this week? And allow you, God, allow God to increase your love for them. That's one way we can apply this. Think of one person that God's laying on your heart, and he'll give you somebody. And then try to think of one way to serve them and show them God's love. And I'm saying, I would say this, as you do that, your love for them will grow. If you are able to see people differently, really see them as they are, your love for them changes. God is at work at everyone you meet, and it's a privilege to help them discover what he's doing in their life. But it starts with us loving God so we have some capacity to love others. And it will make a big difference. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this call to be like you. Father, I pray today that you would give us your heart and love for people. Father, I pray that we will see people the way you see them. And Father, we pray that we can be a people that bring change in this time of panic. Father, help us to be a people of hope and future. And I pray, Father, that um, you will help us to be salt and light and make a difference in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.